0: Hey, guys. On the newest episode of Untucked, we are going to discuss the debt ceiling and some of the conversations we've been having with clients recently. We're also going to talk about international diversification and its importance. And then we'll wrap up with our thoughts on the series finales of Succession and Ted Lasso. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 85 of Untucked. This is Megan.
1: And Mike,
2: and this is Jeff. Did you guys know that you can you can figure out what the temperature is going to be outside by the um, number of chirps that a cricket makes? <laughs> Bottom of the barrel these days. <laughs> really? I thought that was crazy. It's not real. It is. <sighs> it's real. Right, They're ectotherms. Did a cricket
0: write
2: this? <laughs> yeah, this article was written by a cricket. Um, no, it's like, you know, bumblebees are more sluggish in like cool spring mornings. Well, crickets are the same way. They're they're, they're what's called ectotherms. So they their body reacts to certain temperatures. So they, if you are to take, um, count the number of chirps per 15 seconds, and then add 40, that will give you the temperature in Fahrenheit. Hmm. Google it. Look it up. It's Dolbear's law, dude. <laughs> like it's an actual proven. Th- again, like
1: you guys don't do this research. I do. Yeah, but um, yeah. W- uh, I mean, we have to fact check your fun facts yeah, now. Yeah, we'll, well, check it up. All right.
0: All right. I, I mean, I don't. I don't even know how much more we can. Refuter rebuffs. I mean,
2: the fun fact isn't really something that should be like discussed. It's just a fun fact. <laughs> I get some feedback. Wow, that was really fun and interesting and cool. Didn't know that. Oh, so we're only allowed
0: to give you positive feedback. Or what you're
2: that's
1: a terrible fun fact. Let's Okay, move on. well,
0: then we'll go with that one.
1: <laughs> wow. I thought that was a like middle of the road fun fact. You've had better, you've had worse.
0: Um, all right, not a lot of sports talk today. What are
2: you talking about? <laughs> the Phillies have won four in a row. Schwarbs, How about that? Talk about, now, you guys don't like oh, baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys don't like baseball. Mm-hmm. Last night was like the reason you don't like baseball. Mike, do you have any idea what happened last night? Nope. Okay. Do tell. Lead off batter in the bottom of the first is Kyle Schwarber. So it's nothing, nothing going to the bottom of the first inning. I don't know if it was the first pitch, but Schwarber hits a home run. One nothing Phillies. The game ends one nothing Phillies. Mm-hmm. Like zero excitement,
1: <laughs> zero, <laughs> including I mean, a routine home run probably.
2: I mean, I mean, it's fun to watch a home run in the bottom of the first inning. Yeah, that's fun. That's exciting. But then after that, like pitchers duel. Our pitcher pitched great, Taiwan Walker. Like he, he had a he had a good game, and then Sir Anthony came in, and then our closer, Kimbrell, closed it out.
1: So you're not a baseball purist then, because a baseball purist would say that is – that's what baseball yeah. is, a pitcher's duel, a <laughs> yeah. one-nothing game. Just, you know, good defense, no, I probably no see, errors.
2: I'm a sports fan. I want to see action. I want to see, like, runs and home runs and strikeouts and, and guys getting thrown out at second, like, trying to steal. Like, I want to – I'm, I'm not a baseball purist. I'm watching it for entertainment value, like
1: hmm. everything else I watch. Which is such an oxymoron because you're, you literally yeah. just said, it's I'm watching baseball t- for sport. entertainment value. Um, anyway, that's just my, my <laughs> opinion. <laughs>
0: um, it was on in the background last night, so it's the, probably the most attention that I've r- even remotely paid to the Phillies this year. And by on in the background, literally, like I wasn't watching, but I could hear it, I guess, see it occasionally. And I will say the pitch clock. It's great. Holy why didn't they do this it's great fifty years ago? Dude, the game was two hours and ten minutes. Dude, it was incredible. It, it ended and I was like, there's no way. There, yeah. there's no way that was the bottom of the ninth. Yep.
2: It ended at eight fifty. It, it said like Phillies
0: win and I was like, Holy shit, this is wonderful. Yeah. So when I do choose to tune in far, 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 far down the line. I should say if. Because yeah. if they don't make the playoffs, I'm not watching it. But Real like he, uh, ten out of ten. It's a literal game changer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is the pitch clock in place for the playoffs, or do they get rid of it?
2: Oh, I'm sh- I'm 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 sure it's in for the playoffs. You're I don't sure. I don't know that as a, like a hundred percent. But why why would they go all season and then not have it?
1: Well, it's like in hockey, they don't have shootouts in the playoffs, even though they have it in the regular season for the reason of ending the game. Yeah,
2: i mean I can find out. But yeah. Okay. I'm sure, you can. Do we'll it. come back to this. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of baseball purists, just an interesting fact about like two nights ago, Aaron Nola pitched. He had like 12 strikeouts. He pitched a great game. And a tied like for the most strikeouts he's ever had in a game. Two of them were batter's violations that caused a strikeout. So like the batter had two strikes on them and then like, they didn't get back in the batter's box fast enough for the pitch clock. Strike three, you're out. Oh. So how would that... How would you feel about that if a pitcher throws a no hitter? Because he threw a no hitter through like six innings. Like he almost had it. Um, He wasn't going to finish the game. That's irrelevant, though. But if a pitcher throws a no hitter and there were like two or three strikeouts that were batter violations now,
0: it's a no hitter. It's a
2: no hitter. I'm sure that's going to drive baseball purists crazy. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm a baseball purist.
0: (laughs) It's the rules now. I mean, I don't think yeah. you penalize the pitcher in that situation.
2: No, the pitcher doesn't get penalized. That's what I mean yeah.
0: by not giving them the
2: no hitter. No hitter. I heard some chatter recently about like Carter Hart getting traded. Is that is that accurate rumor or am I did I just well hear? they
1: traded Provorov okay and a couple of other minor leaguers in a three way trade involving Columbus and the LA Kings and they're getting a. <clears throat> You know, an average defenseman out from LA, a borderline minor league goalie from LA, and some draft picks. Like a first rounder and a couple second rounders next year. So For Provorov? For Provorov and a couple of Is he throwers, that good? No, he's not he's been he's been bad. So why did we get they
2: get all that for him?
1: I mean they didn't get like a a, a steal, but they got they they did it specifically to get some picks. Yeah. Um which, which is means good. they're looking down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, next year is a throwaway year. Now the rumor is they're trying to make a deal to, to send Carter Hart somewhere. Um, which I kind of... Which is funny because I think if you go back three years, there's probably two guys on the flyers who are untouchables. So it's Hart and Provorov. Yeah. And now that's not the case. So I, I, I would not be upset if they make a deal for Hart and they get some... Value. Some value in return and and start to rebuild
2: it's gotta be young value though yeah oh yeah it's gonna
1: be picks it's gonna be you know high end prospect or two or whatever or young player yeah so um this is the first move of the Danny Breer okay um era
2: it's pretty it's
1: It's exciting pretty solid yeah yeah I don't hate it no I think all three teams involved did well by themselves yeah so okay yeah
2: we got nothing, I mean, I, all, other than every time I log into, what's, if it's not Safari and it's not Chrome, what's like Microsoft Edge? Oh, yeah. Is that the, is that the search engine <laughs> that I use? Every time I log in, there's like a story about like Embiid going to the Knicks. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that like happening? Is there discussions about that or is it just rumor?
0: Yeah, I think it's just... State, rumor
2: somebody needs to write an article.
0: Rumor mill, yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, a lot of people in Philly feel a certain way about him after the the season ended but I think the more realistic rumors revolve around Harden I don't think there's any legitimate talk about Joe moving not at this point at least
2: how are you on the Nick Nurse hiring
0: you know I'm I'm excited about it I hated Doc so anybody who's not Doc was going to be better in my eyes I just the coaching isn't the problem that's gonna like that changing is going to move the needle, right? Like putting Nick Nurse on the sideline of the Celtics series doesn't win them that series. Right. Um so I I guess I feel like it's it's a it's a change and it's a welcome change, but it's not a change that I'm super confident is gonna make a difference this time next year, which sucks.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay.
0: Um, so we figured we'd get started. We'll, we'll do a Coach's Corner article in a minute. But just um, being that the debt ceiling um, topic has been one um, we've discussed a lot with clients. We figured it would make sense to maybe talk a little bit about how we've been handling some of the questions and concerns that have, have come our way.
1: What do you got, Jeff?
2: I just have a problem with the whole debt ceiling discussion. And, and I guess what I mean by that is it was on the news like every night it's all people were talking about and i look at that situation and i'm just like don't we know that they're going to raise the ceiling or they're going to do something so that the government doesn't default so the treasuries don't like don't we know that that's going to be the eventual outcome so number one like Why is it a news story every night? Why is everyone talking about it? Why is everyone upset about it? When especially like, you know, you can't do anything. Like if you're going to sit there and watch the news all weekend, which my father-in-law did on Memorial Day weekend, and he wasn't hot about it, but he was certainly like into it. I mean, he's in his 70s. You're in your 70s. Like what, why do you care? You can't change what's going to eventually happen which is most likely going to be they're going to raise the debt ceiling we have this talk every two years or every time this comes up like why do we care so much when we know it's eventually they're going to figure it out it may end up in something bad happening it may not but in the end five six seven eight years from now it's going to be meaningless in the grand scheme of things i just don't understand why people care so much
0: I feel like that's the tact we've taken in a bit of a different way with clients, right? So the concerns that our clients are bringing to us are the big ones related to, well, if they don't raise this debt ceiling limit, then our Medicare can possibly go away or our Social Security payments could could go away. So I think our job is to, like we've talked about in past episodes, kind of about empathizing with people in those situations, is listening to them and hearing them and then reminding them, as you said, Jeff, that, you know... Um, there's not a lot we can do or to, to, to kind of force or change this outcome. I feel like most things now, it's inherently political, and people get worked up and upset about it because they feel strongly one way or the other about the administration in place, the people making these decisions. So I don't know that, like, The actual debt ceiling, beyond those the mention I just made about Medicare and Social Security, like I don't think anybody really truly understands how it works, what it means. I just think it's another reason for people to either voice their support of a a political point, or and more, you know, probably more frequently, um, voice their opposition of it, and it being used as an excuse for people to criticize the government very, very generally. So um, I think I agree with you completely, Jeff, in that it's, it's not even on my radar a little bit in terms of something I think about, care about, or am remotely concerned with. But our job is to help alleviate some of those concerns in whatever way we possibly can when they're presented to us. And that's kind of what we've been dealing with over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, Meg, you're 100% right on the political angle because, you know, there's people who feel very strongly about where the money is being spent that actually, like, adds to the debt, whether it's Ukraine or subsidies for this or that or entitlement, whatever. Um, And lots of people are incredibly, always incredibly worked up about that. Yeah. Um, So, um, but I do think you know, Jeff, your point is right. It's two years from now, we're going to be talking about it again because that's what they did is they put it out to 2025. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and at that point in time, there's going to be a, a, a resolution to it and people will be. But, but, you know, the, remember, like the financial news has to yell and scream about whatever is going on. And this is the front and center issue or has been the front and center issue in Washington for the past whatever number of weeks. Because of the deadline and everybody fighting with one another about how best to deal with it and 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 the people on the on TV have have to have something to talk about. And and get everybody riled up about. You're right.
2: Yeah, it just drives me crazy. And I have yeah. to I have to live two lives, right? I have to be empathetic with our clients, mm-hmm. which I am. Yes, you are. Like I'll say to them, whether it's the debt ceiling, whether it's money markets g- breaking a dollar, whether it's uh, Donald Trump getting reelected, or, or whatever the heck is the, what do they call it? the apocalypse du jour? I have to say, look, you know, there there really is no correlation between which which party gets elected president and what the market's going to do. Um, I understand that like you're struggling with this right now, and what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of make sure that your plan is still rock solid, and we'll make any appropriate changes based upon what happens. If we think that has to happen, personally, I'm like the other way. Like when I'm yeah. at a cocktail party, I'm like, you can't do anything about it. It's never going to happen. Like I'm a, I'm am an all or nothing guy. I'm always like, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. Like the debt ceiling, like that that they're never going to not raise it. Um, the the mo- the money markets are never going to break a dollar. Like, I'm like that'll never happen. Which I know isn't the right way to phrase it because, of course, like anything can happen. Yeah. yeah. But even though anything can happen, when that anything does happen, we'll figure it out. It may not be comfortable in the short term, but long term, like the world economies, they'll figure it out, right? And it may not be like next month, but like it may be like two or three years from now
1: there's a lot of collateral damage when something major happens though and that's and that's when
2: we adjust the plan or that's when we make changes that should be done
0: but but and and i i i agree i operate the same way that you do i think it's it's elements like this you know where there's so much talk about it that people feel like well we know it's coming right like shouldn't we be doing something ahead of it right like, that that's, it's not this surprise thing that drops down on us, right? The news cycle has been talking about this ad nauseum for however long. So that's where I think the concern comes in. It's like, but why wouldn't we do something, right? Even if they're going to certainly raise it, or even if there's there's no precedent for that not happening, right? But what if this is the time, right? That's what people just right. keep
1: coming back to. Uh, one thing about the de- so people have been talking about the debt for so long, yeah, because it has skyrocketed. Whatever it is now, thirty trillion. Right, the numbers are fucking number. stupid. Maybe it was fifteen trillion <laughs> ten years ago. I, I'm it's something like that. So, and yeah, it's been it's ballooned because you know COVID and, and the last yeah. three years specifically just been stupid. Um, I, do, I will say or observe that when you have like X amount of dollars in debt at one and a half percent interest, that the debt service is like pretty cheap, that's not a big deal. Now it's a big deal, I'd say. Like at five percent versus one and a half, it's like any homeowner who has a seven percent mortgage versus three, it's a massive difference. And I think the concern should be around the cost to service, the debt going forward, not the absolute level of it, but again, what are we gonna do about it it? and
0: then what we've always done which we actually talked about this in a pod like three years ago which was crazy um and it it was maybe a little more of the technical explanation like as long as our country continues to produce numbers that outweigh this debt servicing then that's balanced for lack of a better word right and like that's what has continued to happen and it's what we as Investors and probably more optimistic people believe will continue to happen. And again, of course, there's a chance that it doesn't, and there's a chance that there's a circumstance that it implodes. But
1: ha- we're
0: never—we no- can't the, predict it. In the it. meantime, <laughs> right? The,
1: the, the arguments about where it's spent, are whether it's defense or entitlements or IRS funding, or whatever, will continue to go on. Yes, just like in a household. The arguments about where yes. you spend your money on vacations or discretionary, or, or you know, hockey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go on. It's 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 the same thing, but on a different scale. And again, what you can do about it, just go vote in the person yeah. you think is going to change that, and yeah. uh, you know that that's it.
0: Because yeah. I'm sure the person who says they're going to balance <laughs> right. the budget is really going to be able to do it. Right. Like, which we probably don't want to get into right now. No. Okay. So now we'll get into Coach's sure. Corner. <laughs> Um, The case for international diversification. This is an article from Ben Carlson, uh, who writes the blog, A Wealth of Common Sense. Ben's article covers a topic we discuss quite often with clients. Why should one own international stocks? Most Americans suffer from home team bias, which makes us question why we would invest outside of our country. Recent memory would confirm those thoughts because of... The outperformance of domestic stocks since 2013, as stated in Ben's article. Um, but it does he does a nice job of reminding us that over longer time frames, the returns of U.S. stocks compared to international stocks are far closer than one might think. So
2: two questions I'll let you guys answer just to make sure I understand this clearly. So you say most Americans suffer from a home team bias. What that means is most Americans when they invest, they invest in America, in the United States. United
1: States domiciled company. Yes. Predominantly. Just exactly. like French people over invest in French. That
2: was my next companies. question. Like, and yes. that happens in every country. Yes. Every country, every person suffers from a home team bias.
0: I, I think that's yeah. probably fair.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the case for international international diversification is basically the same case for diversification.
1: Period. Right? Yeah, like yes.
2: period. Like i shouldn't invest all my money in large cap stocks i should invest in large cap mid cap and small cap because in theory they're going to perform differently i will have the same if not greater return with taking less risk isn't that like kind of the theory behind it
1: yes boiled down yeah okay um Yeah. And, and it's, it's, to me, it's basically why in the world would you want to exclude, you know, Taiwan Semiconductor or Nestle or any company that is not U.S. based? Like, why would you do that? These are, these are, there are plenty of successful companies that are going to do their thing. Um, and, and it's funny because like, Bogle at Vanguard made an argument years ago when he was still alive that you don't need to own non-U.S. based companies. Why? Because so much of the sales of most typical companies occur globally outside the U.S. So sure. you're you're getting that diversification just by nature of owning, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever. Um, plenty of people argue against that, and I I would, and and um, for the reason we just said, which is that. There are certain periods where U.S. stocks are going to underperform non-U.S. stocks. And why wouldn't you want to have that as part of your investment approach? Um, just like diversification. Like you said, Jeff, just, it's the principle of being diversified, period. Um, and the same goes for bonds. You know, we, it's not you, you shouldn't just own U.S. bonds. You should own bonds issued by non-U.S. countries. And, and we do that, so...
0: Yeah, I felt like this, the reason I brought this article up is because um, I've gotten this question more so with our younger clients. So people in kind of the, call it like 30 to 40 age range who have less investing experience, obviously, than most of our, you know, retired clients and have experience in most of their investing success, I'll say, um, the outperformance of international or of, domestic stocks just relative to the time frames that Ben kind of outlines in this article. So it makes sense why they feel the way they feel um, because their experience is short and it's anchored to because US stocks doing better.
2: 2008 through 2021 the S&P did 11 and internationals were at 3.6. Yeah. So, so that's a time frame they're living and investing in. Exactly. So
0: it it makes sense why people are asking about it and I just thought this was a good reminder of why all of our portfolios maintain international stocks, why we try to you know, encourage people to invest internationally in 401ks or brokerage accounts or whatever opportunity they have. Because um, I do feel like it's something younger, newer investors just don't have the longer-term experience to feel confident in making those decisions.
2: Yeah, no, I thought the chart that he, pu- that he published in that article where he shows the disparity over these <clears throat> different timeframes between 1970 and 2023 how inversely correlated for lack of a better terminology. Like when, when, when internationals up domestics down with domestics up internationals down, like, and in, and in, and in big differences too, like they were like widely separated. So I thought that was really interesting to see. Um, and then showing that over that same period, like they performed the same, both asset classes performed 9.7 versus 9.6. So you're getting the same return, but if you have different things doing well in different time frames, it's going to kind of level out or smooth out your ride a little bit. Is there a kind of, so, so let me back up and say, we don't ever just kind of think, well, I think international is going to do better in the next three or four years. So let's overweight that. No, we just decide we want to add it to the portfolio. Is there like a magic number that you want to put as a, as a percentage of your portfolio? Let's say you're an all stock investor what percentage of that portfolio should be international?
1: We kind of rule of thumb it where around say 20%, roughly 20, 25% of whatever you have in stocks overall should be non-US, so.
2: So if I if I have a 100% stock portfolio, I want 20 to 25% of international. Yeah. If, I have mm-hmm. a, if I'm a 50-50 person, that 50%, what, 10% of that should be international? Is yeah. that the right math? that's about right. Okay.
1: You know the other aspect of investing internationally is currency so currencies um fluctuate obviously against each other all the time and one of the big reasons you just pointed out some stats about how um, international maybe way underperformed us in a time period a lot of that has to do with like the us dollar is strong relative to whatever other currencies are out there because remember you sell a product in you know in europe and and it's a U.S. domicile co- company. It has to be converted back to dollars to, to hit the P&L. And based on what the currencies are doing relative to one another, will have a huge impact on on um, the, the actual sales or whatever you want to call it. So there's a lot going on there, like underneath. But um, we, don't, we don't get into the weeds on that at all in terms of predicting or, or whatever. But it's just a fact of international investing. You're getting... You're also getting currency diversification along along with like company diversification. That's important.
0: All right. Last topic. What we're watching. So we figured since Succession and Ted Lasso both finished up the last few weeks, we would talk a little bit about those two shows specifically and then anything else that maybe we're excited about. You
2: can keep Succession, man.
0: Dude, I feel the same way. I
2: was in... No, let me take that back. I started watching it. um, Roy, no, that's his last name. Logan Roy, kind of like the character. And then maybe episode two or three of the first season. Like the kids are so entitled. It's so (laughs) beyond me that people, that anyone would even ever act like that.
1: I was out. Yeah, I I hear you.
2: But there was nothing else on. So I kind of watched season two and was kind of okay with it. I feel like they got less entitled, and then this season they got even worse. And I was just like, "God, this show sucks, dude."
1: Yeah, I I thought again. I'm not a I'm not a bailer. I typically will finish a show that I start, even if I hate it. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say I hated it, but I I didn't. I'm I mean i, I was not like a huge fan. I do think it was well acted. I'll say. Um, I don't like screenplays or whatever you want to call it or the writers who try to be really clever with their witty banter which mm-hmm. which was the case with like um oh, jeff daniels show on on uh, newsroom yeah newsroom mm-hmm. like andrew ross sorkin is guilty of this he's yeah. he's such a ugh, he's he's cringeworthy because he tries to write these like clever lines that are just bad like that's not how people interact right. with one another right, right. right. um and and succession, the problem for me was just not, there wasn't one single likable character, not one. They're all deplorable people. You're um, right. There wasn't one. And that and that makes it hard to watch. I think after a while. Um, yeah. If so, someone
2: asks you, hey, like I heard Succession is really great. Like, what do you think? Should I watch it? What's your response?
1: I mean, it's it's you're it's a bunch of completely dysfunctional people. I I did I do enjoy the way that they shoot it like yeah. with the camera stuff that they do like yeah. it's very like i don't know a word for it but like almost feels natural yeah. like you're in the room with yeah. them yeah and i did again i thought they did most of the actors did a really good job with what they were given to to do yeah um but
2: you like completely wha- avoided my question
1: oh sorry what was it
2: if someone asked you hey i heard oh. Succession's awesome should i watch it i mean i'm a hard no like don't even bo- don't even waste your time
1: Really? Yeah. I don't know if I'm a har- – I, I don't think I'm a – i am I would just describe what we're talking about right now and say this is what it was.
0: Yeah. I binged the first three seasons and then watched the fourth season week after week. And I truly believe that is what's led me to hate it because when there was boring nonsense episodes, you got right through it and you moved on. So I think at this point, if someone was like, should I watch it? I'd be like, yeah, give it a shot because it's done. Like you, you will get through it and – uh, th- my experience was more enjoyable as a binger than as a week after week. Like, the second weekend, I was like, what are we doing? Like, why am I wasting an hour of my week watching the show? Um, there were maybe two episodes this season, the last one being one of them where I was like, okay. Like, I, I didn't hate it, but I felt myself like, hate well, i said this guy you guys yesterday like hate watching it like i'm yeah. watching it just to get through it because i've gotten this far but i'm yeah. mad at every single one of the people involved with this show that they've put me through it
1: and the dude who plays um kendall roy apparently He's a psycho the method actor yeah which i think is such a loser move and, you know every, every time What's you hear mean? about it means that what like all day on set, they walk around in character. Gotcha. They're, you know, and they're because they're, they're such, like, serious actors. I forget the other people who do <laughs> he, this.
2: His, his, his character was so unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was such a dumbass. They all were. <laughs> right. That no one would take them seriously on his birthday party when he's, like, rapping. Like, are <laughs> right. you kidding
0: me? But I think that was kind of the point in a way. Like, especially with the way the show culminated was, like, nobody is taking these children seriously. Yeah. It's yeah. Literally children. Um, I I saw on Twitter, I didn't read the article, that like Jeremy Strong, Kendall, um, wanted to jump into the water I think I saw in his that too. last scene. You know how it ends and he's just like looking out over the water. Yeah. Like they were worried that he was going to jump in and he was then interviewed and said, Kendall wanted to die. That's what method acting is. Like, yeah. I am Kendall Roy. I'm not Jen- exactly. Jeremy Strong. It's <laughs> Cringe, like cringe, yeah. just doesn't even begin yeah. to cover it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, and it's what's amazing. Like we're we're about to talk about is like the exact opposite.
0: The greatest show, maybe of all time.
1: I wouldn't go there. <laughs> it's a little. Bad. <laughs> I wouldn't go there.
0: It's, but I think it's because I watched it after it. Succession, and I was just like, "This is enjoyable. It's wholesome. The characters are wonderful."
1: Yeah, and and I think that's like. We're talking about Ted Lasso. We're Ted Lasso. Yeah, I think that's a sta- everyone feels that way. I think that's a statement that's important because we are just force-fed show after show of dysfunction and mm. you know darkness. Da- yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have a show like that where every character is is you like every character, right? I
2: can't think of another
1: show other than Rupert. Rupert, yeah. Rupert was <laughs> a
2: slimeball. Yeah. Who was Rupert? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I can't think of another show where I loved every character as much like i mean i'm even thinking like cheers right like norm like woody but i i didn't love them all as much as i love like um danny rojas (laughs) like football is life like they were all so good yeah i i there's no other show that that i felt that and there was dysfunction in it like beards dysfunctional like he's he's weird and crazy. Like Ted is dysfunctional, right? Like panic attacks, like missing his kid. Like but there's no together bad together with the people wife. in it. Other than Rupert. there's no there's no, nobody no. who's an there's actual no like, villain. Although yeah. then like they make Rupert like the uh, a villain wearing like wearing the cape, Darth Vader, yeah, dude, yeah.
0: <laughs> going on the field and yeah. <laughs> pushing over the coach. Um, yeah, I was, I just the enjoyment and the experience of watching, and I f- I feel like I felt that way every time i've watched ted but specifically this season coming right off of because i didn't watch ted until it was all done and i binged the whole thing after i finished succession i was like this is enjoyable television i like watching this
2: they knocked it out of the park and they did it every season yeah like i didn't watch season two and go yeah but season one was better i felt it was just as good and the same thing with season three yeah
0: i agree
1: yeah,
2: fantastic TV. Are you
0: guys watching anything else now?
1: I think it's a a little bit of a struggle right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Barry. I've, I watched Barry, the third, yeah. the final season of Barry. Um, I really enjoyed it because I thought Bill. I thought there was some great. Hater was great in it. It's a it's a weird show. I mean, it's dark yeah. and all that too, but funny. Like it has that co- uh, combo. Yeah. Um, so.
2: It's baseball season, so I'm not watching anything, any okay. shows right now. Uh, no, I got nothing on the die. I watched Air last night.
1: Oh, yeah? Okay. What did you think?
2: It was good. It was very well done. Um, I'm just oh, – I'm, I'm kind of sick of Michael Jordan. Like, I'm kind of over, like
0: – Can I get that in writing?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I like uh, – obviously, like, it, it was – what was neat to watch is, like, a, just a ton, ton of nostalgia for me. Because, like, I mean, I was a – Sure. I was yeah. A, I was a young teenager at that time, and I loved – michael jordan yeah. as a as a as a basketball player um the story's amazing um i'm just like after the last dance and like the Scottie pippen michael jordan feud like i'm just kind of tired of talking about michael jordan yeah, i get that but uh, i think it's a it's an absolute must watch if you are my age like 45 ish and have any interest in basketball or had any interest yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I,
1: yeah, I don't even think you have to have an interest in basketball. Like, it's a it's a cool story, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know.
0: I just finished The Love and Death on um, HBO. It's about – it's based on a true story. Um, a man and woman have an affair. They're both married. And then the wife of the man involved in the affair is murdered. It's like a miniseries or whatever, and the timeline is the affair – the murder and then the trial for the killer. It was it was good. I mean, I got through it quickly. It's so dark. Dark. Ugh. Oh, and like bloody. Ugh. Like like I, the way that people are murdered and obviously again it was based on a true story so they replicated the actual murder, but like you don't have to show us like so yeah. much blood. Yeah. I so I like, I, I would recommend it, but like I had to watch like an episode of Parks and Rec afterwards because I couldn't like go to bed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. after watching that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have to find something. I got nothing on, the, on my list right now. All right.
0: Well, if any listeners have recommendations, <laughs> we're open. <laughs> Want to move to our top five?
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: So the top five today is
2: Debates.
0: Anyone want to go first? Yeah,
2: I'll go first. Okay. Sure. So my first one is Marvel versus DC. Okay. I think that's a pretty heated debate. Maybe.
0: (laughs) In a certain community of people, I'm sure. Eighth (laughs) graders. (laughs)
2: Boys. (laughs) Definitely not just eighth graders. Um, Did Tony die at the end of The Sopranos?
0: Okay. Spoiler alerts.
2: It's The Sopranos.
0: I've never seen it.
2: Um... Should sports games end in ties?
1: Okay. That's
2: good. Size doesn't matter. There's another debate I think is wildly. (laughs) I think it's great. And then uh, I'll end with uh, the process.
0: You're an asshole.
1: The process. There's a debate. There's a debate about whether it should have been done or whether it like worked. Whether it worked, whether it well, should have been done. Clearly didn't work.
2: Whether we're still in it. Yeah. The, like the, the should we have done the process? Yeah. That's okay. a, that's a. It's not just a Meg and Jeff debate. Got it. And you know it.
0: <laughs> I feel like it should be stated that. Jordan versus LeBron was our example, which uh-huh. is why it it's won't exempt. be it's yeah, yeah. included in these lists. Right. But obviously, that's the debate. Right. You want to go?
1: Sure. Okay. Um, I got some just basic stuff, like chocolate versus vanilla, <laughs> you know,
2: as we were getting ready to record the pod. <laughs> Meg said that one's dumb and she said like she said some of them are dumb like Chocolate versus vanilla. I'm like dude that was on my list Ah. so I eliminated it in anticipation okay I think it's I think it's a number one Mike
1: I've got Godfather 1 versus Godfather 2 I don't really have an opinion okay but there's a lot of people that are like hands down it's like their favorite movies ever and people argue which is better Ginos versus Pat's steaks. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good one.
2: Good one. Yeah. A
0: local niche. Yeah.
2: Or you could even say like who's got the best Philly cheesesteak is a is a is a wild debate. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Broaden it a bit. Um, peanut butter, crunchy versus Ooh. smooth.
2: Yeah. I think like there's a it's As people feel he- strongly about their peanut butter. Yeah, yeah, and it's very heavily tilted towards smooth, I would say. Huh. Just okay. like I think it's heavily tilted toward chocolate versus vanilla.
1: Ooh, not for me. Yeah. Really? yeah.
0: I'm a crunchy chocolate. Huh. Wow. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh and my last one is um Gretzky versus Mario. Some people will throw in Bobby Orr or even gordy Howe, but like I think that's a legit debate who's the best player of all time. Really? Yeah. Mario it makes a strong case. This guy was hurt seriously for a lot of his career, and he still is like in the conversation for the best player ever.
2: Right, but like Embiid's hurt all the time too.
1: Well, he's, he's like not the, the best. He's nobody's <laughs> calling him the best basketball player ever. He's the
2: MVP. Oh, yeah, God. God, would you let it Sorry. let it go? Um,
1: Mario is. Some people think he's the the greatest player ever.
2: Well, is it determined and, by championships or points?
1: Neither. Just the best player ever. Like
2: the best skilled player of all time. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. You don't determine between the offense and defense.
1: No, they're they're goal scorers. Okay. Anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: So I like, I had to throw hockey in there. That's all. Well, and and my first one is the just greatest of all time conversations. Like more generally, yeah, whether it's hockey good, players, yeah. movies, TV shows. I mean, anybody who wants to have a debate. It's about the greatest. Like, what's the yeah, best what's the comedy best of, all, of time. all time? Right. Yeah. So
2: that's good one. Good character. Pick
0: your poison. Um, cat people versus dog people. That's or a good one. Cats versus dogs. I guess. Mm, yeah. What is the most difficult
2: professional sport?
1: Yeah, I thought of that one.
2: I thought about that
1: one too. Like, who's the
2: most athletic?
0: Yeah. Of, of the sports, like, yeah,
2: who's, yeah. The, who's the greatest athlete? Yeah.
1: Or what sport is the most produces most... the greatest athlete?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Require? Yeah. Yeah. Any? I mean, <laughs> version of. Those
2: and it's funny because when you look at all four sports, like you can find like really out of shape people in each one. Uh. Like Shaq I don't know how it. out of
0: shape I'm, hockey players you are finding, and, and I don't even know anything about
1: And I would people. say the same for NBA player. How how can you be out of shape and play?
2: I mean, Shaq. Shaq was big and out of sh- kind of out of shape, dude. What? I don't
0: know that I'd say he was out of shape. Who's big?
1: Yeah. Mm. Baseball I mean, is the only one that's absolutely definitely true.
0: Yeah, and like I mean you think about the the physical makeup of like a lineman and he doesn't look like he's in shape right, but, they but they're like run. the yeah. most athletic people on the planet cuz they're that size and can like Yeah,
2: interesting debate. Is exactly. like a lineman the most athletic person on the planet? I mean
0: LeBron's the most athletic person. On the okay. Planet.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Now, will you would you say though that like the definition of athletic is sort of like you could you could do anything not just your own sport but you'd be able to like
2: yes in my I, opinion that's that yeah. defines athletic yeah. yeah
1: well then it's I, not I, lineman then
2: no no,
0: no it's, not.
2: it's not lebron either
0: he would be a stud
2: corner and he would be an awesome outfielder i mean like bruce lee was probably like the most <laughs> athletic person on the planet you know what i
0: mean yeah, rip um okay I've recently had somebody ask me this so I'm, I don't know if this might be too specific to me. is beyonce overrated? Um, she's like very very loved, but then apparently there's a camp of people who don't like her I'm
1: she, not a I'm not I, I'm neutral on her
0: okay is she
2: overrated? That's a good debate it's worth yeah. debating yeah mm-hmm.
0: And then does money buy happiness or can money buy happiness?
2: Yes end of debate.
0: Uh, people who don't have money say yes people who have money say no right but i think there's there's debating grounds in there
2: i think so too all right good list we good we're good thank you for listening till next time see ya